Come in, Mr. Marlowe. Don't mind if I don't get up. I'm in a fucking wheelchair. So I see. You mind if I fix myself a drink? Please do. I want to watch you drink it. All right. Just going to take the top off nice and slow. Yes, do that. Let me pour it into a glass. Yeah. Slower. That's that's good. Oh, slower? That's right. Mm. Yeah, now drink it. All right. Here we go. Down the hatch. Yes. Oh, boy. There was something about my daughters, but fuck it. Who cares? Hi, everybody, and welcome to Late Seating. I'm Jason Herning. And I'm Steve Shives. On this show, we take a classic movie and see if it lives up to its reputation, whether that reputation is good or bad. And this time around, its reputation is a film noir classic. Isn't that right, Steve? That is exactly its reputation. Mm -mm, People like watching this movie where a man in his 50s fucks an 18-year-old. Uh, well, implicitly, implicitly well, in real life, he does because they well, met in when real, she was well, 17. in real life, yes, Everybody's in real life, he favorite does. pederast Humphrey Bogart. In real life, he was he was he was fucking her regularly by this point, and you know, causing all sorts of personal problems mm, as but he it's did okay because she loved him. It was fine, right? Yes, because she loved were, him. And he yes. was a million. I don't know how old he was when they, they met. were the they were they were a great couple from the golden age of Hollywood. That's right. Yeah. Fucking creepy weirdo. Anyway. Anyway. What's so, the movie, Steve? It's the big sleep. Ooh, what's that about? What is that a euphemism for? Um, th- when you when you you take a really long nap that oh. you don't wake up from. Oh, that thing I wish for? Death? Yes, the, the <laughs> thing you wish for, yes. The thing that looks increasingly preferable to life, yes. Mmm, <sighs> okay, great. The Big Sleep. Hey, Steve, do you have any trivia for The Big Sleep? I do have trivia for The Big Sleep. Go for it. Hey, did you know not only was Humphrey Bogart an older gentleman who liked to have sex with younger women... <laughs> you mean <laughs> with children, yes? But he also had a drinking problem. Hooray for him and his drinking problem and his chain smoking. He had a terrible drinking problem. And on the first day of shooting, he got drunk at lunch. And that pissed off Howard Hawks. And Howard Mm -hmm. Hawks said, Humphrey Bogart, from now on, you're only allowed to have one beer at lunch. And Humphrey Bogart said, okay, boss. And then he just kept right on drinking like Mm -hmm. Howard Hawks didn't say a goddamn thing to him. That's right. um, his his drinking was such a problem that there were days when they uh, he when he just he 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 was unable to work. He was so drunk he couldn't sure. work on the movie. He um, was guilty because he avoided the draft. <laughs> he was um, the story I saw. Away. What the story I heard was that his his mm. drinking and his drinking during this period was exas- exacerbated by um, his marital problems. Which I believe on his wife, which I believe were, which I believe were all his fault. Yes. Yeah. Um, He was, he was cheating on his wife with Lauren Bacall and had been for a couple of years, had been for a couple of years at this point. She was, she was an adult by now. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And, 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 and in fact, this movie after about three months after this movie wrapped, they got married. uh, Sure. Of course. Finally, he finally left his wife. He didn't even knock her up or anything. He just married her. He married because he wanted to, because he was a gentleman. Because he was in his fifties and he was fucking someone in her twenties. They had a 30 year age difference. And he said, I'd better take some steps to make this permanent. Yeah. (laughs) Um, so, uh, speaking of 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 uh, Lauren Bacall and Humphrey Bogart's relationship, sure, Howard yes. Hawks, Howard Hawks did not approve of what uh, the two of, of them of being the, together. Of, of the two of them being together, Howard Hawks had. Um, I don't know if he actually discovered Lauren Bacall, but he 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 worked with her earlier in her career and had kind of a paternal like felt sure. protective of her mm-hmm. and 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 didn't want her to be with Humphrey Bogart and. To the point that Howard Hawks and Howard Hawks' wife both t- 
tried to set Lauren Bacall up with other people to try and get her away from Humphrey Bogart, including at one point Clark Gable. Who wasn't that? Who I who I who I who I don't think was he was about the same age. He was still older than her, but I guess they figured he would have been a more acceptable partner because um, he wasn't married, I guess. Or maybe maybe he was just a nicer guy. I don't know. He like, wasn't because the love of his life died. Well, there you go. OK, there you go. And like someone's um, got to Clark Gable, throw young women yeah. at him. Yeah, come on, Clark Gable. He's a national treasure. Go make him happy. I mean, um, am I, unless I'm thinking of someone else, Clark Gable, his big, who was his big uh, love of his life? I can't remember her name. I but she know. died, and he went, World War II sounds like a great way to kill myself, and joined <laughs> up. He was older, but he joined yeah. right up and said, I want to die. Put me on something <laughs> so I can die. Give me all, put me on a plane. <laughs> Give me all the dangerous missions. Mm-hmm, but he survived it. And then, yes, like, we did. Did, let's throw him a young woman and cheer him up. Jesus. See if we can talk Lauren Bacall into fucking him. I don't know. <laughs> Oh shit, she's not she's not going for it. Oh, mm-hmm. Sorry. Sorry, Clark. Um anyway. This is this movie, of course, is adapted from uh, a Raymond Chandler novel. Mm-hmm. And there are there are multiple stories as to how Howard Hawks got the rights to make the film. Mm-hmm. In in one version, Warner Brothers came to Howard Hawks and said, mm-hmm. We want to make this movie. Here's fifty thousand dollars. You go to the author and get the rights. So mm-hmm. Howard Hawks went to Raymond Chandler and bought the rights to the book for ten thousand dollars and right. just kept the rest of the fifty thousand dollars for himself. That's right. There there's another version of that story which which switches the order of events around slightly. In that version, Howard Hawks go goes on his own and buys the rights personally for twenty thousand yep. dollars and then mm-hmm. turns around and sells the rights to warner brothers for like fifty thousand right. dollars so either way howard hawks makes a nice little profit for himself yeah, on the rights of the book he's ripping off a corrupt studio system oh I, yeah him. oh i exactly that's exactly that's exactly what i say good for him that's yeah any anytime an artist can can you know snooker a movie studio yeah. for a few you know i think that's fine um so how, yeah exactly Get a, get every cent you can from him. Um, Hawks was so impressed by Martha Vickers, who plays Carmen, that he had Warner Brothers buy out her contract out. Let with me, Universal. Can I get something out of the yeah. way right now? Please, please. Jesus Christ, Steve. If you wanted to know what kind of woman I want, they're all in this fucking movie. It's like every right? single goddamn woman he meets is like a woman. <laughs> but I, I'm like, yeah. ugh, I can't yeah, talk anymore. Exactly. Hello, I'll marry like her. No, wait, I'll marry her. <laughs> yeah. No, I agree. I and agree. every woman wants to fuck him. Every That's, single woman uh, within nanoseconds. One of, they want to fuck one of, him. One of my favorite running bits in the movie is how every single woman he every meets wants to fuck woman. him. Every single one. The girl, the taxi driver mm-hmm. is like, hey, if you ever need me again, call me. I don't. And he's I, like, oh, I only work days. It'll have to be at night. Get it? So you can fuck my vagina. So we can fuck. (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, and he must get, I mean, he has women throwing themselves at him so often. It just rolls off his back. He's like, okay. And Mm -hmm. just keeps going. Cause he's like, I'm going to get laid eventually. He's into it. He likes it. He likes the flirting. He's a big flirty. Thanks a lot, sweetheart. (laughs) Yeah. So anyway, what were you going to say? He loved. Um, So, so uh, Howard Hawks uh, was so impressed by Martha Vickers that he had the studio because she was a contract player with universal at the time. And Mm -hmm. so he had Warner brothers buy out her contract so she could be in, in this movie. And, um, according to Raymond Chandler, she was supposed to have a bigger role in the movie, Mm -hmm. but, uh, they were worried that she would overshadow Lauren Bacall. So Mm -hmm. they actually cut, Carmen's scenes in the movie back sure. quite a bit because Martha Vickers was so, you know, uh, memorable and mm-hmm. they wanted Lauren Bac- and Lauren Bacall was supposed to be the female lead, not yeah. Martha Vickers. So no. um, Humphrey Bogart thought that many of Philip Marlowe's lines in the original script were too soft, which he attributed to screenwriter Lee Brackett because Lee Brackett was a woman and mm-hmm. Bogart was a, you know, an old Hollywood sexist. And he thought, well, this yeah. woman wrote the script and she made these lines too soft. Mm-hmm. So what he went 
he he went to meet with her and he said and to ask for rewrites and she said oh those lines that you didn't like were the ones that were written by william faulkner yep. because william faulkner co-wrote the, the screenplay mm-hmm. so she said don't worry i'll take care of it so she actually rewrote the lines that bogart didn't like and made him a lot more hard-boiled and kind yeah. of like you know pri- private eye dialogue um and as a result humphrey bogart nicknamed her butch mm-hmm. seems like a nice guy doesn't he yeah it does um Speaking of William Faulkner, although he is best known as a novelist, he was also a prolific screenwriter. Uh, He came to to Hollywood in the early 1930s, having already written some of his best known novels, including The Sound and the Fury and As I Lay Dying. Mm -hmm. He wrote on dozens of films, although usually uncredited. Um, Two years before The Big Sleep, he wrote the screenplay, and he was credited with this one, uh, for To Have and Have Not, which was the first film to co-star Bogart and Bacall. That's right. And then while he was working on the script for The Big Sleep, he decided that he didn't like Hollywood anymore, and he left town, and he finished working on it from his home in Oxford, Mississippi. Sure. Because who can give up Mississippi? I know Hollywood must have sucked if <laughs> if he was like, you know, what would be better than this? Mississippi. <laughs> Nothing against everyone that lives in Mississippi, but you live in Mississippi. Actually, yeah. <laughs> if if you live in Mississippi because you have to live in Mississippi, all my sympathy. Yeah. If you live in Mississippi because you could live somewhere else, but you choose to live in Mississippi, I don't understand you. No one does. I don't understand the choice you have made with your life. Um, And finally, Humphrey Bogart wore lifts in his shoes to play Philip Marlowe. And despite this, his character is still repeatedly teased about his being short. (laughs) So like, Hey, midget. And you're like, that's a, no, we prefer little people like, Oh, so you're owning it. No, that's not what I meant. Wait a minute. No. All right, is it my turn? Can I talk about it? It's your turn. Fucking movie. It was directed by Howard Hawks, and he made movies like Scarface and Bringing Up Baby and The Thing from Another World, one of my favorite, yeah. favorite science fiction movies ever. Mine too. I love Good that one. for him. Written by Ray Bradbury and directed by Howard Hawks. Great. Nah. I loved it. How could you go wrong? Uh, and then it was a screenplay by William Faulkner, and I don't... He made... He, uh, I don't have notes. I don't care. But we just talked about what he did. Yeah. So fuck it. I don't he was, care. Yeah. Lee he was Brackett, a Pulitzer Prize winning novelist. Who we had mentioned before who did a lot of movies where she wasn't credited by her name. Yes. Because yes. Huh, she's a woman. And, you know, the people who have vaginas can't possibly write. But Hollywood knew she could. And so they said, oh, well, just pretend that you're a man or whatever. And it's like, <laughs> She's one of the only two of two women ever nominated for the Hugo Award. She possibly won one. I mean, Jesus. I mean, she's a great writer, and you know what? You guys stop it. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, she she's probably most known to people of our generation, and I mean, she she was a she co-wrote The Empire Strikes Back. Yes. So I mean, that's a hell of a resume. She like wrote The Big Sleep and The Empire Strikes Back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And then lastly was Jules Firth, Firth, wait, Firthman. 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 That's his name, Firthman. And what else did he write? Let me look. Nothing. He wrote nothing. No, to have and have not. There you go. Oh, and Nightmare Alley. That is that one, too. Yay, good for him. Fuck it. I don't give a shh. Don't care. Movies suck. I don't want to do this no more. I wonder how, how the audience is going to react to the person who doesn't want to do it anymore, just screaming it into a microphone. I don't want to do this no more. <laughs> Starring Humphrey Bogart as Philip Marlowe. And you know Humphrey Bogart. He's that guy who started fucking a 17-year-old girl while he was married. Congratulations. Hollywood's awful. There are no heroes. Give up. Give up. <laughs> They're all terrible. Lauren Bacall as that 17-year-old girl, and she plays Vivian Sternwood Rutledge. And you know her as the girl that got porked by a 50-year-old man. <laughs> she made other movies like To Have and Have Not and uh, stuff. 
She was she was was she a misery? I think she was a misery. In, uh, uh was she? She was in Key Largo. She was in there we um, go. Key Largo, yeah. yeah. John Ridgely as Eddie Mars. Don't care. I didn't get to write notes because of my bad mornings. Martha Victor is Karen Sternwood. Okay. Sonia Dearen as Agnes Lauser. Dorothy Malone as Acme Bookstore Proprietress. All these women are so fucking hot. How in the fuck? I mean, geez, yeah. if, you, if you guys watch this movie, it's like every single thing. He walks into a bookstore and she has her glasses off and her hair down with like in two minutes. Yeah. He walks into a bookstore <laughs> because it happens to be across the street, the street. from. Yeah. And and he and oh, look, it's the most beautiful yeah. woman in the world. And she's like, let me close <laughs> working at the close bookstore, the bookstore, take off my glasses, put my hair down and say, oh, you don't want to go outside. It's raining and it's all wet. Like me, and you want to stay here and drink, don't you? And he's like, Yeah, his life is like a fucking penthouse letter. Everywhere he goes, there's a woman like stripping her clothes off. Anyway, yeah, so there's her, yeah, and then there's Regis Tomey as Chief Inspector Bernie Oles, Peggy Knudsen as Mona Mars. Mona Mars, Mona Mars is a name, yeah. Charles Waldron is General Sternwood. Charles D. Brown is Norris Sternwood's butler. Dun dun dum bomb. <laughs> Bob Steele is Lash Canino. Lash Canino is a That's Star a Wars name. name. That's a Star Lash Wars name. <laughs> he, he, he runs a casino. Canino's Tom casino. Han Solo's half brother. Lash Canino. Han <laughs> Solo's half brother. Elijah <laughs> Cook Jr. as Harry Jones. We remember Elijah Cook Jr. He was in, he was in with that other movie with Humphrey Bogart, The Maltese Falcon, and a whole bunch of yeah. other movies. A ton of stuff. You've seen him on Star Trek, and Louis. He was, he was, he was Captain what? Kirk's lawyer. And Louis John Height as Joe Brody. Cinema and all these people did they tons of movies and stuff like that. Don't make me cinematographer by Sidney Hickox <laughs> did other movies. Edited by Christian Nyby. That's a name. N-Y-B-Y. Sure. Nyby. 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 <laughs> Chris should Nyby. He did other. They all did other stuff. All these people. Music by Max Steiner. I've mentioned his name too many times. Go look up the other shows. Production company Warner <laughs> Brothers. Distributed by Warner Brothers. Release date August 31st, 1946. Running time 114 minutes. Thank Christ. Budget 1.6 million. Adjusted for inflation 25.0 million. Box office, $4.9 million, adjusted for inflation, $76.5 million. Hooray, great. Steve? Yes, sir. Me and you put on, what city does this take place in? Los Angeles. Does it? Yeah, Hollywood, did, baby. Did they say Hollywood. it at any point? Because at some point I was yeah. like, where is this happening? Yeah, What's well, no, going remember, on? He, when, when he goes to the library, he goes to the Hollywood Public Library. Who are these people? <laughs> what's going why am i watching this this is stupid everything's <laughs> dumb <laughs> why is it in black and white i mean he just knows things i don't understand it anyway let's okay. go <laughs> let's me and you knows things? <laughs> run into the movie the big sleep steve take it away yeah buddy well, so here's what happens. What happens? This guy, yeah. Humphrey Bogart, he's shows Philip Marlowe. He's a private detective. He yeah. shows up at a big Wait, house. You're not going to talk about the two silhouettes smoking and mm-hmm. they put their cigarettes in a in a in a cig- uh, ashtray at the beginning. Oh, that happens first. What does that have to do with the movie? It's just for style, man. Fuck it. What does it have <clears throat> to do with what happens in the movie? Because people smoke in the movie, so okay. you know people drink the in the movie. movie too. Well, you can't show everything in the credits. Guys get shot in the movie. <laughs> anyway, he shows up at a house. He shows up at a house, and the butler answers the door, and he's like, "Hey, come here." The guy's back here, and then yeah. before they can get back, before he can take him back, uh, the guy who owns the house, one of his daughters, shows up. Carmen. Carmen, and, and she she's says, like, I'm "Hey, rub my pussy against you." And she's like, Mmm-r-r-r-r-r-r-r-r-r-r-r-r-r-r-r-r-r-r-r-r-r-r-r-r-r-r-r-r-r-r-r-r-r-r-r-r-r-r-r-r-r-r-r-r-r-r-r-r
Yeah. And he needs just, heat. He needs constant heat or he'll die. He'll heat. pass away. And he's like, oh, can you mind? And he starts, Humphrey Bogart starts taking off his clothes because it's so hot. And he's like, drink yeah. a drink. And while, I want to watch you drink a drink because I can't drink drinks anymore. Yeah, I can't drink and I can't smoke, but I I'm going to watch you. I can't drink. I can't eat food with salt or sugar in it. My life is a hell. I'm sorry. That's me. Yeah, I was going to say, you, you can really relate to this character. I know. He's like, here, eat this piece of cake. And I was like, oh, wait a minute. Let me watch you. Eat the fucking cake. (laughs) I want to watch you eat it. I want you to lick this salt lick, and I want you to eat the cake and drink something (laughs) while smoking. I want you to do all of it. Now, fuck my daughter in front of me. That's something else I can't do anymore. (laughs) That's something else I want to see. What, fucking your daughter? No, not my daughter. Not her specifically. (laughs) Now, wait a minute while my butler comes in and jerks off my flaccid penis. (laughs) This is all I have left. Do it now in my sunroom or whatever. My, He's just there and he's surrounded and he's like, I want you. I'm being blackmailed. Yes. I got blackmailed last year and it's time for my yearly blackmail. And I'm <laughs> it's another blackmail case. And at this point, Jason loses all cohesion as far as the story is concerned because Jesus fucking Christ convoluted. Thy name is yeah. the big sleep. It's a little complicated. <laughs> they make so, so it needlessly yeah. complicated. In addition, in addition to the blackmail and the gambling debts, there's also they mention the name Sean Regan, who is a guy right. that Marlo used to know. The Irish and guy who used yeah, and who guns. used to work who used to work for oh, run General Boozer? Sternwood. Was it Booze? I guns? think I think it was booze. He, he said it was because booze and guns and, yeah, and prostitutes yeah. and, and other things. And he's gone. He he disappeared, and That's people right. think he ran off with with a gambling. And I guy loved him like a son. He would lick that salt lick and eat the cake and smoke a cigarette. And I don't know why he left. I only made him do that every day, right in front of me. <laughs> why would he leave without a word? <laughs> but he's like, I want you to. I want you to stop it. I want you to get him. Yeah, I'm kind of yeah. implying you kill him. He's like, That's gonna cost money. <laughs> It's like just do it, just go, just go away. Let me let me rot my thing because this is the only time you see him. <laughs> and as he's leaving, he says they keep referring to her as Mrs. What's her face? What's the last name? Mrs. What? Mrs. Uh, uh, Rutledge. Well, Rutledge. I mean, yeah, Mrs. Rutledge. Who is she married to, Steve? Uh, Mr. Rutledge, who is apparently no longer in the picture. Who's like dead or something? <laughs> I don't know. I he's- guess. Yeah, they never mentioned. But this it, but... is this, but this that she's his his older daughter, played by mm-hmm. Lauren Bacall. Yeah, and she and because he hates Marlo... his, his two daughters. Like, yeah, they're he, wild. He, yeah. And, oh, I should have taken. Care they're of reprobates. I hate them. <laughs> and so they, and her and Marlo have a scene where like they kind of circle each other, and she's trying to find out w- what he knows. Her dad hired him to do, mm-hmm. and he doesn't want to tell her. And so, and they he's going by have... a different name when he's in the house. And well, I think he, yeah, he told he he told Carmen his name was what did he say his name was? I don't know. Irish Doghouse Riley. He said his name was Doghouse Riley. <laughs> uh-huh. I think as a joke. And Carmen, sure. Carmen's like, oh, it's Doghouse Riley. That's his name. Sure. So yeah. Anyway, he tells him there's what is it? There's a guy I can't remember what he goes to a bookstore for some fucking reason. Why? Does well, because he go this to... is the, the 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 bookstore is owned by the guy Geiger, who Carmen owes the money to. Right. So Carmen and he owes goes the money. to talk to. Yeah. He goes to talk to Geiger, but Geiger's not there. But he meets the, the he meets Agnes. Yeah, he meets it's Agnes the... out front, and she's and Agnes like, is the only woman here. in this movie that doesn't want to suck his dick the minute she That's... meets him. Yes, it takes her a few scenes to want to suck his dick. She doesn't even know it, never, apparently. But she's like, nobody's here and fuck off. And so he goes across the street, and there's another hot woman running a bookstore. Yeah, apparently Los Angeles in the 40s was nothing but beautiful women operating bookstores. Within nanoseconds, she wants to jump his peen. She's closed the bookstore in the middle of the day. She's like, oh, it's going to start raining. You should... You should stay here and have drinks with me or something. And he's like, okay, yeah, that sounds great. And so he does that while he's yep. casing the joint across, across yeah. the way. And then um, he follows him. He sees, he's like, he hey, sees, yeah, 
Yeah. He sees Geiger leave and he follows him home. Yeah. And he's like, I can't wait for you to see my sketches for the this alien movie that I make is so scary with the penis and the <laughs> vagina face and all this other stuff. And I'm like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so he goes and he goes to this house somewhere, right? Yeah. He goes to a house somewhere and I can't remember. I don't care. Anymore. He's sitting, he's sitting <laughs> on the house. And then there's a bright flash of light, and then there's right. gunshots. And there's gunshots. And doesn't he hear a scream? Yeah, he, he hears a girl scream. So he goes in, and mm-hmm. Carmen is there, and she's right. like high as a kite, completely she's, drugged she's out of her mind. She's fucking drugged out of her mind, and she still yeah. wants to jump on his pain. And he's yeah. like, what? And, <laughs> and Geiger is dead. Geiger is dead on the floor. That's right. He's dead on the floor, and he looks inside of a head, and there's a camera inside of it. And I was like, But no Mom. film. Right. And so what does he do? Honestly, what does he do? I don't I don't know what he does. Oh, he he takes Carmen home. That's right. And he says she never left and I was never here and they're like, "Okay. Okay. Bye." And then he talks to his policeman friend. Yeah. And his policeman friend is what is he he's like I don't care. He says <laughs> what well, he, he he his policeman friend drops by his house like in the uh-huh. middle of the night right. and he says, "Hey, um, so this guy who you, who worked for general Sternwood, mm-hmm. um, was found dead in a car that That's we just right. fished out of the river. He's the Butler guy from earlier. And he's like, what? And he goes down there and they show the car being lifted out of it. Right. Yeah. And then he goes back and he, and he talks to what's her face. <laughs> Vivian. Well, yeah. She's at his office. Yeah. Yeah. And, no, and no, she first says, he, no, he first he comes home and Vivian's like in a nightgown and he's like, stuff happened. Oh, yeah. Where yeah, were yeah. you? And she's like, I don't know. But then she comes by the next day. Cause, yeah, that's right. Because uh, I don't know anymore. Well, she tells him about the pictures. He said her that's uh, right. Carmen oh, was being blackmailed because yeah. of pictures. Yeah, Because the pictures they took inside of that statue head. The, the, the right? hidden camera in the statue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so she meets him in his office, makes fun of his office for a little bit. He gets out. He climbs into a cab. The woman cab driver wants to fuck him. And he's like, follow <laughs> follow those people, right? Yeah. And he goes to a new new place. And guess who's hiding in the bushes? Carmen. Carmen. And for whatever reason, to, uh, to exemplify that Carmen is a baby, she keeps putting her thumb in her mouth she keeps sucking her thumb and he's like stop it stop it i can't fantasize about you if you keep doing that we're actually doing more i like it and it's like what <laughs> yeah again keep put that thumb back in there yeah so then they break into the house and the guy who has the house finds them and who is that yeah that's, that's uh, eddie mars eddie mars and he keeps calling him soldier for some reason I don't he know does that. that's like his thing Slow down and, there, soldier. Yeah. And this scene goes on fucking forever. And what is it? He's just asking him questions and yeah, misdirection they, and misdirection and blah, blah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And you're like, we're 48 minutes into this. Nothing's happened. What's going on? <laughs> Why is this still going? So then he goes to what's his name's house? What's his name? What is, who is it? He's the Brody. other guy. Brody. That's Brody. right. Joe Brody. And he was the guy who blackmailed General Sternwood before. That's right. But he wasn't yeah. the guy who was, he just says, I'm not the one that's doing it Yeah. now. And then, oh, no, this is when this, I don't. <laughs> this is when, okay, we're, oh, this is, we're, we're about an hour into the movie now. Yes, so this we is, are. <laughs> so this is when stuff is supposed to start happening. So and it doesn't. He goes, <laughs> he goes, no, it does. He goes, he goes to Brody's place and Brody is there. And so is Agnes from the bookstore. That's right. And so, and so is uh, Carmen, right? Mm-hmm. Or no, Vivian. That someone's there, yeah. Viv- yeah, and um, no, it was. I think it's Carmen who's there. But anyway, mm-hmm. and and uh, they they you know talk about what's going on, mm-hmm. and you know uh, they try to somebody uh, somebody pulls a gun on somebody and, and uh, shoots him through the door. Remember? Oh, yeah, he, oh, yeah. He someone knocks him the door, the door and like, kills oh, him. Oh, yeah. through the door, and then bullet for you, bang bang, and he he dies. Yeah, right. And then 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 Marlo chases, chases the guy. Yeah. And then he sees the guy and then he sees him walking. And then he calls a cop and then he breaks into the gambling joint where what's her face? Vivian is, says she goes all the time and she owes yeah. money to, right? Yeah. And he, she's, is it, was she singing at first? No, she wasn't singing. She's, yeah. No, she sings and then she's playing at the, at the, the roulette table. Is that what it is? And yeah. she's, yeah. and they won't cover her bet or whatever. 
and <laughs> I don't know anymore. And then uh, he goes there, and I don't know what happens, and then I don't know what happens. The end. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're skipping a few things, but I'm skipping um, everything. I don't give a shit. They drive around for whatever reason. Whenever she's in the car, she's like hunched down, so she looks like she's ten. And yeah, <laughs> why is she always hunched down in the car? Because to make so that Bogart doesn't seem so small. <laughs> okay. Anyway, what happens at the what happens at the place? Other than we have our musical interlude where she has to sing yeah. a song. Well, she wins. She wins at the roulette table, and then she some guy tries to rob her in the parking lot, mm -hmm. and he like you know knocks that guy out. Yep. And then um, he goes. He gets. See, he gets, here it comes. <laughs> he gets beaten up by somebody at some point. Like uh, sure, um, somebody beats somebody, him up. Somebody beats him up, and then this other guy, Harry Jones, mm -hmm. who knows Agnes, shows up. And he's like, hey, um, mm -hmm. if you want to know, because part of the mystery about w what happened to Sean Regan is that he ran off with Eddie Mars's wife. Right. So so Harry Jones is like, I know where Eddie Mars's wife is. And if you give me two hundred dollars, then I'll take you to Agnes and she'll tell you where Eddie Mars's wife is. Mm -hmm. So Marlo's like, OK, does that happen? Let's. Let's meet at a let's meet at a certain place at a certain time. Mm -hmm. And when he gets so he Marlo goes to meet Harry Jones at a at an insurance office, and there's already a guy there, Canino, who works for Mars, and mm -hmm. he, you know, gets the information out of Harry Jones, and then he makes him drink a poison glass of water and kills That's him. That's right, and kills him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What do we know so far on the plot? Nothing. Exactly. How far Nothing. are we in? Way Pretty deep. far. <laughs> Pretty far. God damn um, it. Anyway, so what else happens? Because we could just uh, go and yada, yada, yada. Yeah. The end. He he meets with Agnes. Agnes tells him where to go to find um, uh, Mars's wife. So yeah. he goes and he gets beat up by some other guys in a garage. That's right. And he, and he wakes up in a house and Vivian's there. And he's like, hey, cut me loose from these ropes and help me, you know, like take Do these guys stuff. out. Yeah. So she like, you know, helps him get the drop on uh -huh. Canino. Yeah. And he and he kills Canino. And then they they drive back to Geiger's house and mm -hmm. he sets a trap for uh for Mars. So Mars shows up and Marlo gets the drop on him. And he's like, I figured it all out. And what did he figure it, out, Steve? You blackmailed Vivian, and Carmen was the one who killed Sean Reagan. Sean Reagan's dead. He didn't run off with somebody's wife. He's dead because That's Carmen right. didn't like that he didn't res respond to her advances. Um, and, um is good, yeah. Um, and and so so and then he and. Mars has come with a bunch of his goons and they're sure. waiting outside. They're waiting so outside. Marlo, and all he has to do is tell them. Yeah. And they'll, they'll, that'll be bad. And so yes. he, he's got the drop on him and then he convinces. And then what's his dipshit goes inside and says, fellas, fellas, it's me. Don't shoot. And they're like, what? Shoot. And they immediately oh, and bang, shoot. Bang, bang, bang. And it's like, stop, stop with the bullets going through my body. And he's like, oh, and then he's dead. And then oh they call, no! And then he I thought his, he was Humphrey Bogart. They look so much alike. And then they call his cop friend, and he's like, "Okay, so there's some bad guys outside. Be careful when you show up. Maybe you can kill them, shoot them all, and they'll be dead." And oh, we forgot to mention that he's kind—I guess fallen in love with, yeah, Vivian, with Vivian. I guess. Yeah. And he and tells her, he says, "He says, look, you're." He says, look, your sister's probably going to have to go to the loony bin. Yeah. Put your um, sister in the loony bin. And just lock her up. Meanwhile, the dad is at home going, what's happening? What? Where? <laughs> like, I'm still in the greenhouse. Nobody's telling me anything. Vivian's marrying the gumshoe that I hired. And my other daughter's where in the cracker house? Is that what's happening? <laughs> Who? All I want to know is 
where's my butler? It's time for him to eat cake and lick a salt lick in front of me, and he's <laughs> not here. to eat cake in front of me. <laughs> what happened to him? Oh, he was run off the road? By who? Who did that, by the way? Who who killed him? Who killed it's the unclear. I, you know, that's that's actually a deed. I, I, I learned this in the tr- when I was looking up trivia. Apparently, yeah. um, when they were working on the movie, somebody, Howard Hawks or one of the screenwriters or somebody realized that what happened to the guy in the car that they fished out of the river, like that's yeah. never actually resolved. No. And so they called Raymond Chandler and they said, what happened to that guy? Did somebody kill him or did he commit suicide or what? Raymond Chandler said, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't so, know. I don't know. It's, it's something, <laughs> something put in there. I was writing and I didn't follow up on it. Okay. Here's the shit. Did the check clear? The check's clear. That's all I care yeah. about. Look, they published the book. What do I care? So they're driving away, and she loves him, and he loves her, and they're gonna put, they're gonna put the younger daughter into the sane asylum where she can suck her thumb and fuck orderlies, and yeah. everything's done. The end. Steve, the end. Happy ending. That was a short recap. So well, yeah. <laughs> well yeah because a whole lot of talking happens and not a, a lot, lot of, of making sense to yeah, the audience happens a, a lot of stuff happens but not a lot of stuff that you can really follow <laughs> yes. or make sense of you're like wait what are we doing now how does he know to go to the bookstore who is that guy oh he's dead now who killed him? <laughs> <sighs> all right steve yes. how do you feel about this it, it, it is a film noir classic, but I don't really, it doesn't feel as noir as some of the other noirs we've watched. I mean, Bacall isn't really a femme fatale because they're lo- in love at the yeah, end. Yeah, not really. What fucking noir ends with the people in love at the end? None. That's what I says. I, <laughs> I, I, I like the movie. I like the sure. movie a lot. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, I wouldn't put it quite on the level of like the Maltese Falcon. No. no. You know, out of the past or something like as like a top tier, like big Lebowski or any noir. Well, big Lebowski is like neo noir, but like in terms of like a classic, like 1940s, 1950s, like double indemnity, double indemnity. Yeah, like it's not, I wouldn't put it quite on that level, but I do really like it. And it's an incredibly convoluted plot that didn't matter to the filmmakers so it shouldn't matter to us either that's how i look at it uh the um actually and it's funny they because that's one of the things that this movie is known for is that the incredibly complicated plot that's impossible to follow and um apparently there was a scene shot where marlo explains what everything you know explains what happened and what the crimes were and who did what, but Howard Hawks cut the scene because he realized that that doesn't matter, mm-hmm. that it was, that it was the characters and the scenes that the audience found interesting. And he, and he said, you know, as long as the people watching the movie are entertained, that's, what's the most important. It doesn't matter if it has a coherent plot or not. Mm-hmm. And and the pleasure of the movie is very much found in the moment. Like, and I know some people have difficulty watching a movie like that, but if you can, if you can detach yourself from trying to follow the plot and trying to figure out what's going on and you just enjoy it in the moment for the dialogue, for the scenes, for the character interactions, that's really where the joy of the movie is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's not like, it's not like a mystery movie where you you as the viewer are invited to solve the mystery um in fact that's probably not even possible like i don't know if you could really it's just it's a mess yeah following the mystery and 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 trying to solve the puzzle isn't it's not that kind of a movie it's 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 more like a procedural than it is a mystery you know and um it's not even really a procedural either because you know like we were making fun of like marlo knows things that he doesn't share with us until he tells somebody else about it you know like he'll just show up at a place and we don't realize why he's there until he meets somebody and talks about it so you're not invited to try and follow along you're invited to just follow marlo watch him do his thing uh, you know, watch him exchange hard-boiled dialogue with people and flirt with all of these women who want to fuck him. And that's it. That's the movie. 
it's it's about the journey not the destination and in a way like it this feels like the kind of movie that like david lynch riffs on you know when he makes his movies that deal with all of these like hollywood yeah, cliches and david lynch's movie easy movies easier to follow than this fucking thing well yeah sometimes the, well, what little plot a lynch movie has is usually not as convoluted as this no um but he does but but he he does a, a something similar to what i think howard hawks is trying to do with with this which is he's worried more about the tones and about the emotions and about the images not so much about the plot and you know lynch kind of takes that to another level and makes it more surrealist but that's similar to what howard hawks is doing here he's saying look just go with it don't worry about don't the plot don't get bogged, what i'm doing don't, don't get bogged down in the plot just enjoy the characters and the dialogue and just watch them drink and smoke and talk and that's mm -hmm. the movie um and i mean you know he picked the perfect leading man because humphrey bogart for all of his significant personal failings sure he was he was born to play roles like this i mean yeah. his acting in this his acting in this is so effortless and and he has this quality in this one as Marlowe, and he has it in when he plays Sam Spade in Maltese sure. Falcon. It's a very it's very similar to this, where like he seems slightly amused by almost everything that happens to him. Mm -hmm. Like it's 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 like he's a participant in the movie, but he is also a bystander at the same one of those time. Male ideals, but <laughs> nothing really nothing really causes him to freak out, right? Yeah, people, and like people pull guns on him all the time in this movie, and he laughs at it. There's a scene. Funny. Yeah. There's a scene near the end when they're, when they're set up in the house and he's waiting for Eddie Mars to show up and they're looking out the window and he, he says to Vivian, he tells her that he's afraid, mm -hmm. but he doesn't really seem afraid. Nope. He just seems like he always does. He seems like he, and he has like that sort of baseline that he just, he always is the way he is. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, but yeah, he, everything that happens seems slightly amusing even when people pull guns on him or he's like waking up all tied up after taking a beating, mm -hmm. it's like half a step removed from the events, yeah. even as they're happening to him. Um, and it's like, he's, it's just as important to him to have something funny or sarcastic to say about sure. what is happening as it is to actually do whatever he needs to do. Mm -hmm. Um, Lauren Bacall, I think gives a good performance, but more than her performance, I remember just her her screen presence like she has such a strong screen presence and the reason i know she has a strong screen presence is because this woman is like humphrey bogart and an endless parade of beautiful women yeah and they're all they're all gorgeous mm -hmm. and quirky and scheming and mysterious and, and they're flirtatious and they're hoxian it's women just, they yeah, talk tough just one and, yeah. after another after another after mm -hmm. another and and uh you know martha vickers as carmen sonia darren as agnes dorothy malone as the woman who works in the bookstore yep. who only has one scene but you remember yep. her because like how can you forget her or the taxi um, cab driver or the taxi and, cab driver you know, the two the yeah. two waitresses at the gambling at the, the two casino. yes and who who like are literally fighting over who gets to tell him news at one point. Yes. Mm -hmm. Like they both have a thing to tell Marlo and they're both like trying to be the one to tell him. And they end up well, having to take gonna double team him that night. And it's like, yeah. why can't we see that? And why can't that happen? Yeah. And, and yet, you know, Lauren Bacall, I think is the most memorable of them. And, and, and part of it is that she gets the most screen time with Bogart. She's like, her character is the most, is the more important character, but she, mm -hmm. she just has this screen. That, and he committed that, statutory rape with her. So we may as well. That, well that's that, and that creates a bond, you know, sure. That, that, sure. You know, that leaves an impression. Um, but yeah, so overall, I, I think it's an excellent movie. I think, mm -hmm. I mean, it is one of the, it's one of the quintessential Bogart and Bacall movies. It's a fantastic example of what a good time you can have with a film. As long as you are able to dial into the sensibilities of the creator and care mm -hmm. about what you're meant to care about and forget the rest. If you approach it like a whodunit and try to solve the case, you're going to be frustrated because that's not really possible. And that's not what it's intended for. But if you relax and enjoy the, you know, the ride and just watch some great actors play some great scenes with each other, then I think you're probably going to enjoy yourself a lot. So I, I recommend it. I think it's a good movie. There you go.
And now, now's the part where you would talk. Hello. Hello. My computer, for whatever fucking reason, just decided to fuck this day. Fuck it. I'm sorry. Did you finish? I finished. Good. My turn. Your turn. There's a reason why a lot of men of particular age all wanted to be Humphrey Bogart. And that was because in his movies, Humphrey Bogart walked around and women just wanted to fuck him. And he had mm-hmm. quippy, quippy, funny dialogue, and they had banter back and forth. And that's what a lot of this movie is. is him walking around, meeting gorgeous women, flirting with them, and then going on to the next thing. And then eventually, you know, he falls in love with Lauren Bacall. There's something about something, blackmail, blah, 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 the end. <laughs> Someone commits murder in this movie. It's Carmen. <laughs> yes. And they don't go to the cops with it. He just tells him maybe she should go. Maybe she should go to a booby hatch for a little while, <laughs> and that's it. So there's no, you know, justice or anything like that. It's just kind of like we we're here. We we listen to him gabble on. He does a whole bunch of thing that becomes things that becomes more and more confusing to us as we're trying to follow along with the plot because that's what I'm trying to do. I'm not sitting there going, oh, I just love the dialogue. I want to know what the fuck is going on. That's what I want to know. I kind of get it. By the end, I go with you. Thank God he told us what was going on. It's a very simple plot. Isn't it, Steve? If you boil it down to what actually happened and who did what to who, it's fairly simple. Yeah. It's fairly simple. But we spend two hours trying as this guy goes back and forth and he knows things that he probably shouldn't know. And he's not talking to us. We're not hearing anything. We don't know what's going on. And who are these people? And who's this guy? And now he's dead. Who shot him? And we're following him. <laughs> I like the dialogue. I like the characters. It's filled with gorgeous women. If you're so inclined, if that's mm-hmm. your thing, great. But at the, at, by the by the end of the movie, I was literally begging the film, please just tell me what the fuck is happening. <laughs> tell me what happened. And by the way, why I should fucking care. Why do I care about any of it? What are we trying to save? Oh, no, an old man might have to pay blackmail. Oh, no. (laughs) No, not that. Make that hell the poor rich guy. He was sitting there masturbating while his butler eats cake in front of him. We're supposed to give a shit about him, I guess. I don't know. (laughs) The other thing is it's hard to feel like... like, uh, Philip Marlowe is ever in danger because he's laughing and chuckling at everything. He's uh, he's uh, he's Bugs Bunnying his way through this. Yeah, that's a good way to put Bugs it. Bugs Bunny didn't it had hot and cold running poon everywhere he went, and so it's like, okay, we gotta make it good. He's pretty cool. He did this thing. He solved a thing that it took two hours out of my life when he could have just probably done it in ten. You know. <laughs> Rich person's still rich. He's in love with a rich girl. The other rich girl is going to go away to the booby hatch briefly and then probably come out even crazier than before because it's 1946. What did mental health look like? Oh, it looked like electroshock yeah. therapy. That's what it looked like. The end. But I recommend it. Sure, if you want to see style and you want to hear quippy dialogue, but not if you want to follow a plot and get to the same ending point as everyone else, not waiting around for Humphrey Bogart to turn to the camera and say, this is what happened. <laughs> Let me explain. It's not like we learn little bits as we're going on. When we think we've learned something, then they throw a whole bunch of other stuff that's just as convoluted, right? Remember how they described what's-his-face, how they described uh, uh, Geiger? Is that wears glasses? Yeah, I rem- they were, yeah, yeah. Overweight, yeah, doesn't really was, look like that when he shows he? up on screen. No, does he? he doesn't look not like really. that at all. No, no, it's like okay, everyone's unreliable. Great, woo. I was, it was, it was, it was fine. I struggled to stay awake a little bit. I was watching it really early in the morning, thank God, or this never would have happened because I, because what happened, the guys, you don't know, you don't know if you're listening to the podcast, Jason's had a fucked up, crappy day. But anyway, what happened was I watched it and I went, okay. I hadn't seen it in a long time. Mm. I don't think I committed any of it to memory. 
All I remember is that old man's touching that girl is gross. It's so gross. That's so gross. Who wrote Get away line? from her. Get away from her, you creepy old dude. And it's like, okay, fine. It's a movie. Is it my favorite? Yep. Like I said, is it my favorite noir? No. Does it feel like a noir? Uh, just because it has a private detective in it doesn't automatically make it a noir. A lot of it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't tick a lot of the noir boxes. I no. mean, it has the aesthetic of like a noir, but in terms of the way the story and the characters are put together, there's a lot mm-hmm. of noir, typical noir stuff that is missing from it. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure in 1946 there were some unseemly, but people, oh, that's unseemly. You know, but I mean, it doesn't feel like a noir. There weren't no desperate, dirty people doing desperate, dirty things. Yeah. Right? Yeah. A noir, the Maltese Falcons, he turns to that lady who is fucking in and says, well, if you don't get the chair, I'll see you in about 20 years. That's a noir <laughs> ending. Yeah. Okay. This ending is weird love. Why? Oh no, we just we are because in real life we are and we're in love now. Where's your husband? Who <laughs> your full name, you know, the one the Rutledge part of your last name? Where is he? I don't know. <laughs> he went downstairs to eat cake in front of my father and he disappeared. He never came back. He never came back. <laughs> Let's Probably- just say my sister killed him too. He's I mean, buried in that just... greenhouse. <laughs> he's still in. He's in the greenhouse. He's he was claimed by the orchids. Oh, I should have told you, Mister Marlowe. My my sister's killed a lot of people. What? <laughs> <laughs> this is our ninth butler. <laughs> but nothing fun like that. It was it was okay. It was fine. If you guys want to see it, it's fine. Steve recommends it. I'll I guess yeah. I'll recommend it. But don't you guys really need to pay attention? You really need to be following along in the plot. And it does actively feel like the movie doesn't want you to pay attention to the plot. And at that point, I'm kind of like, fuck you, movie. Movies are supposed to have plot, especially mysteries. (laughs) They're supposed to have a plot. Yeah, well, see, that's why my recommendation is exactly the opposite of that. My recommendation is do the best you can to not worry about the plot and just focus on whatever is happening in front of you right now. And that's the whole point. I go to see a movie as a plot. I'm not. I I understand what you're saying. I'm just saying. Did you say that? You like, might as well look. There's a three-hour movie where someone just pointed the camera at a ficus. Oh, boy, my favorite <laughs> kind of movie. Ooh, no a leaf's going to fall. A leaf's going to fall. <laughs> no, Any second would, now. That would be plot. That would be plot. A pl- be leaf falling would be leaf that fell. would be an event. Big he, plot twist. About two hours in, a leaf fell. Someone puts the ficus down, and you hear one of these leaves are going to fall, and you're like, oh. Ooh, I wonder which one. <laughs> anyway, Steve. Okay, we both yes. we both uh, yay. Yes. Steve, mm-hmm. recommend something. I don't. Or uh, not, not recommend. recommend. Not recommend something. I'm going to not recommend something, too, because holy shit, the thing I'm not going to recommend is so much worse. Oh, great. Go. I can't wait to hear that. So Go the one I'm not recommending, I'm not recommending a private detective neo-noir film from 2006 that is also set in Los Angeles. Brick? No. No. Oh, no. That's Brick is movie. great. I would Isn't not. Yeah, movie? I would not <laughs> recommend it. Brick is terrific. No, um, the Black Dahlia. Did you ever see the Black Dahlia? No, I. Here's the thing. About no reason the Black to. Dahlia. <laughs> People are obsessed with the Black Dahlia, and they're all creepy weirdos, as far as I'm concerned. They're all a bunch of really gross, creepy weirdos. If you know anything about the real Black Dahlia and the way what happened to that girl, and you're like, fuck off, you creepy weirdo. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. But so this is a, the movie. It came out in 2006. It was directed by Brian De Palma. And I know, and I know this will come as a shock, but it's all style and no substance. No, do you think? Crazy, crazy. Um, But I mean, it's got a great cast, uh, Aaron Eckhart and Scarlett Johansson and Josh Hartnett and Hilary Swank and Mia Kirshner. I mean, it's a fantastic cast and it looks great and it's got great costume design and great cinematography. And the only problem is it's boring as hell and I don't give a shit about anything that happens in it. it's like it's like they 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 took they took the vibes of like la confidential and they said we don't need like a plot or a story yeah you know and they just went with it and it's not like i said it looks great it's got great actors but you know it's just kind of boring it just kind of goes on for a while and then and then it's over Mm. and 
you know, if you're going to make it and you're right, there, there is a lot of really um, sort of um, over obsession, like kind of morbid obsession with the Black Dahlia case, because it is a really the, the, the crime is a horrifying crime. Um, and, you know, that it's dramatized in this movie, but, you know, it's so stylized, uh, you know, For those of you of, who want to know she was cut in half and a smile yeah. was cut into her face. Yeah, it's yeah. The actual crime is is horrific, uh-huh. um, and it has uh, kind of stuck in the public imagination ever since because she was young and she was beautiful, and this you know terrible thing was done to her, and it deserves a better movie. <laughs> Honestly, if you're going to make a movie about it, it deserves a better movie, and this ain't sure. it. Um, so that's my not recommendation. Two thousand six is the Black Dahlia. Yay! I'm not recommending Song of the South. Fuck you, oh, Disney. Oh God. Oh shit. The one that they won't even show anymore? The one that they locked in the vault for good? Song of the South. I actually managed to find Song of the South on the Internet Archive, and I started watching it, and I went, fuck this. That's why they memory (laughs) hold this one. I went, Jesus Christ. Oh, boy. I'm so concerned about that little white boy. It was like, what the? I watched. I I had to turn it off after a while. Not after a while, after about 10 to 15 minutes. Song of the South is a piece of shit. It really is. Mm-hmm. It's unwatchable. And the fact that Disney did, you know, stuffed it in the archive and they're like, please, everyone forget that we made it. Please, yeah. everyone forget that we made this fucking movie. But you have a, a ride named after you know, Sponge Mountain is based on the Song of the South, but only the cartoon parts, not the other parts. You know, <laughs> not the excise, other parts. Excise the black people out of it altogether, and now it's just the cartoon. Great. They're changing that, by the way. That's being changed over to um, I don't know what movie. The Frog Prince, I think, is being changed over. To oh, I think I've heard you. You and you and Dana have mentioned it during your yeah. Disney because me and Dana like to talk about going to Disneyland. Log recordings, yeah. Where it's your unceasing nightmare being dragged to Disneyland by yeah, me or Dana, and you're like, no. I'll go make a sandwich. You guys talk about Disney. Put this mouse ears on. No, it's not a baseball <laughs> the, cap. You put the mouse ears on. <laughs> Actually, you'd have to buy you a goofy cap. Because that has that's true, because that has the baseball cap. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Absolutely. So anyway, uh, yeah, I, Song of the South is not. If you guys want to find it, I'm sure you can find it. And if you really want to watch it, I'm sure you can watch it. But what's the point? And yeah. the, even the even the studio that made it went, oh, good golly. It took them a long time to go, oh, good golly. But they eventually did. Oh, yeah. It was released on VHS and stuff in the 80s. I mean, it, it was it, they 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 didn't lock it away until relatively recently. <laughs> that's right. <clears throat> Yeah, and they still mention it every once in a while. I was like, "Don't bother." Song of the South, fuck it. (laughs) Hey, Steve. Yes, sir. You don't get to pick a movie next time. I know, but I'm happy about it. (laughs) Why? Why are you happy? Let's let's pretend I don't know what's going to happen. Why, Jason? What's going? What? My brother Matt is (laughs) has written and drawn a Batman comic book. Isn't that awesome? For DC, Steve's favorite comic, my yeah. brother has uh, written and drawn a real one uh, uh, for real, DC, not for like DC not like fanfic. He like he, I, he he's he's been paid to do this by the company that owns the characters. That's right, and it's coming out around this time. And so, my brother Matt is going to be on the show next next month. I let him pick what movie, and in it because he's the Batman comics coming out. He picked a Batman movie, and oh. Oh, Steve and I are going to come to blows over this one <laughs> because gay googly movie. I, I hate this movie and Steve likes this movie. He, for whatever reason, thinks it's a comedy. And I th- think it was a miscalculation. <laughs> yeah, for whatever reason, it's bad. All the things that I hate about the Batman movies are in this movie. Yeah, I mean, it's even increased over the first one, Batman. This one's even worse. The movie we're going to be doing is Tim Burton's Batman Returns. Yes. And my brother is going to be on the show. And yes, he is promoting his Batman comic book. And yes, we're going to tell you what it's called. And you can go out and you can buy it. Because that's what you do. You buy, buy comic yes. books. I'm, I'm getting a signed copy for free because he's my brother. And he loves me. And I get one. And Didn't maybe you tell I'll me... get one for you too. 
That would be awesome. D- didn't you t- didn't you tell me that he's never seen Batman Returns before watching it for this? No, yeah, I think he's seen it, but it's been a long time. It's been a long time. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you know, he got to create a villain for Batman. That's so cool. That's probably the coolest part. I mean, it's cool to getting to work on Batman at all. I'm sure would be a dream come true for yeah. someone who grew up reading comics, but to actually be able to create a character. Yep. That's awesome. So you guys want to get all the jokes and what Batman returns. And a lot of people, some people, maybe, maybe are doing this. Jason, you forgot your Valentine's Day show. Yeah, I did. Mm. I did forget it. Didn't I? I forgot it. <clears throat> Good. This the 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 big sleep wasn't a romantic comedy. Good. Shut up. Good, I says. Good. This month couldn't get any worse if I had to do a, a romantic comedy. But don't worry, we're gonna postpone it till March. You guys will get your romantic comedy, okay? And I'm sure we'll find yeah. some awful fucking trite shit that Steve likes, and we'll have to we'll have to review it. Some fucking be- Gary Marshall movie to watch. Roman- Roman Holiday or something. I oh, I know. know. I, yeah, I do. I do like Roman Holiday. Maybe we'll luck out and we'll do the Notebook. Won't that be great? Oh, God. <laughs> anyway, that's it. Thanks everybody for listening in for late seating. This is Jason Harding, and go see a movie this week. And this is Steve Shives. I haven't been here. You haven't seen me, and she hasn't been out of the house all evening. Who hasn't been out of the house all evening? What are exactly. you keeping secret from me, Steve? <laughs> Nothing. You, you know then who. you tell me you live alone. I do. Don't, who has wink. not been out? Don't wink, don't wink. What are you talking about? You didn't get a DoorDash driver to drop something off and then you just went, yoink, you're mine, and you just I said it's so easy. It's so easy. No, it's so easy. You just say, Look, I don't want to tip you through the app because I don't know how much of that you get to keep. I want to tip you cash, but I forgot my wallet. Just come in for a second. It's back here. And then, it's back here. <laughs> sure you can sure, have a cash sure tip use, sure you can use my phone it's oh, back it here is. just go down these stairs into the basement I'm a creepy weirdo <laughs> you want to watch Star Trek with me never. Um, I really gotta go <laughs> never mind the well I have in my basement of my house Okay, yeah. we gotta we gotta reel that Boy. back. Steve's not a serial killer. No, I'm certainly not. If he invited a DoorDash driver to come inside to do something, DoorDash would find out, right? Exactly. They, they would. Say, they, they probably care. They. they go, I'm oh, sure another they, one's been abducted, George. They they would just they would just realize. Okay, we have to find someone else for that area. Uh-huh. You know, right? Yeah, someone an ugly man because he doesn't seem to be going after the women. <laughs> and you just have a gaggle of them in your basement. Fifteen DoorDash driver women. Yep. So he keeps, doesn't I, do anything. He comes down, I, talks no. about Star Trek at us. I pretend to be Humphrey food. Bogart. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you run a bookstore. Everyone here. You also run a bookstore. <laughs> all your bookstore owners, okay? You you're all it? bookstore owners, and you all live on the same street. I'm gonna flip my hat lid back and put on sunglasses. I'm gonna pretend yeah. to be somebody else. Mm, okay. We didn't, we, we didn't talk about that part. His brilliant disguise. His brilliant disguise of flipping his hat back. And oh, flipping like, his hat up and putting sunglasses on. Looking like soupy sales for a second. Oh, it's <laughs> like no. I'm here to buy a book. What happened to Su- soupy sales? I, I'm sure he must be dead now who told him that a good nickname is soupy soupy <laughs> soupy does he like soup i did what is that what is it what is it derived from because what, here's is, the what thing, about him you, is soupy if you describe something as soupy it really doesn't seem terribly great no right? that's what you say about like melted ice cream oh, it's it's gone all soupy well, you know, it's not a good soupy. thing <laughs> yeah it's not a good thing you know a swamp is soupy not a person. Swampy sales? That doesn't swampy have a sales. Ring, no, soupy sales. You know, for kids. Soupy. What did he start out as a kids entertainer? I think so. Okay. And he, then he died. What? Boy, doing what? This. I, I, I don't know what doing what makes it sound like he died in some dark <sighs> circumstance. Like okay, let's He was found with a, a prostitute. <laughs> Alive or dead, Steve? Alive or dead? Soupy sales? I think he's got to be dead. Are you sure? He's got to be dead because his wasn't his show originally on like because they the shot him twice. <laughs> oh, trust me, he's dead. <laughs> I shot him twice. There's no way he can still be alive. I double tapped him. He didn't get up. Oh, he died in 2009. 
Wow. That's more recent than I would have thought. Oh, what? He wasn't that old. I mean, he was older. Really? Because well, I thought his show was like in the 50s or the 60s. And I mean, it's not like he was a child when he did his show. No, he was. That's true. Oh, well. He's dead. Bye, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Rest in peace, Soupy Sales. Rest we hardly peace, knew soupy, you. Soupy Sales. Good job. You should have picked a different name, but whatever. Nobody on the show knows who the fuck we're talking about. Was, or, I mean, was the name... Yeah. Was the name your parents gave you really that bad? Yeah, think about it. Who is diapers on soupy? Ugh, <laughs> I'm gonna throw up if you say that again. What it is? And, and it stuck for the rest of his life. He keeps putting rotten food in his mouth. It keeps happening. It keeps happening. If you keep saying soupy, that's gonna become his nickname. But we won't tell him why. Oh, okay. <laughs> we'll just call him that, and it'll, he'll just accept it. <laughs> All right, are we done? Can we be done? We're done. Bye, everybody. We're done. Bye, Bye everybody. everybody. Late Seating is a Let Me Listen podcast production featuring Steve Shives and Jason Harding. Produced by Jason Harding. Theme music, Rollin' at Five, composed and performed by Kevin McLeod. You can find more Let Me Listen podcast productions at our website at www.letmelistenpodcast.com. You can also find us on Stitcher, iTunes, or just about anywhere you download podcasts. Late Seating is a listener-supported podcast. If you would like to support Late Seating or any of the other Let Me Listen productions for as little as $1 a month, please visit our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash lemmelisten. And... Thanks for listening.